Brett, I was listening to an interview you did with a Michigan podcast, and the host welcomed you in in a way that honestly blew my mind. And it, it just said, well, are you ready for the final season of college football as we know it and as we've known it? And I was like, whoa, that's pretty heavy, but it's true, right? Oh, you Texas in the SEC next year. The Big Tw- uh, 10 is adding teams. The Pac-12 will be no more. This is insane how much change we're going to have 365 days from now, isn't it? Yeah, well, thanks, Chris, for having me on. I appreciate the kind words. And, um, and, and yeah, what I've been saying is it's really the end of an era in college football. Uh, you spoke about some of the, the big historic conference realignment happening. It's not just teams like West Virginia or Cincinnati that are moving. It's, it's Blue Bloods. It's Oklahoma mm-hmm. and Texas leaving their Big 12 footprint, USC, UCLA leaving the Pac-12. The Pac-12 collapsing outright, just uh, really a shame to see a 115-year conference go away. Uh, you also have things like the playoff changing, uh, going from 4 to 12, bringing in the idea of automatic bids and at-larges and non-AQ bids. and So everything's really changing. Even some things like uh, the CBS moving from uh, SEC to Big Ten, just you know the subtle things. Everything is changing in college football. So enjoy this one while it lasts here. Um, this is – I have just – started to scratch the surface on the magazine uh and it's fantastic man i i don't know where i've been i don't know what rock i've been sleeping under but this is amazing i'm curious for the why behind certain things so let's just our big topic today on the pick six preview magazine has been your position rankings and you basically you do it for every conference but in the overall position group rankings, you go one through 15, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tied into one group, and offensive line. And then on the defensive side, you got D-line, linebackers, and DBs. It's kind of wild because, you know, one of our biggest question marks for this team has been wide receiver heading into the season. Yeah, you've got the wide receiver and tight ends group for Oklahoma as the only position group that's in the top 15, which, again, awesome, makes me feel better. <laughs> but... What'd you see in this Oklahoma wide receiver group that you thought, all right, this is uh, probably going to end up being one of the strengths of this team? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think that the way that Oklahoma recruits, uh, first off, puts them into that top 15 category um, at a lot of position groups, but really at a receiver. Um, I had a chance to see Oklahoma live last year. I was down in Lincoln, Nebraska for the the rivalry game, and I uh, got to see this offense explode. And you know, I know that they lose Marvin Mims and all first, you know, first team All Big Twelve guy and Braden Willis, uh, but I really like Jale- uh, Jaleel Farouk, the outside receiver. Uh, Drake Stoops is super productive, very reliable on the inside, great route runner, and then the transfer portal is really what elevated Oklahoma in a lot of categories, uh, including receiver. Another top ten transfer haul, and you got a couple straight line speedsters like Andrew Anthony from Michigan, Thompson from Texas, and even uh, Austin Stogner returning from South Carolina for one year. So. So, yeah, I like the additions they made. I, I trust uh, Coach Levy's offense, um, the way that I think they're going to reload again and put up some big numbers. So that's a testament to the recruiting, their transfers, their scheme, all of that. Uh, you have Oklahoma ranked as the 16th overall team in the country, number two in the Big 12. Brett, just kind of educate me a little bit because there's obviously elements from a spread and a gambling perspective but some of the breakdowns that i've read it's it's very intense and in understanding the x and o's what's the process you go through when you're evaluating teams what's kind of your why and how behind it 
Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, uh, so unlike the other preview magazines and companies, this is a complete one-man show. It's just me. I'm doing all 69 Power 5 teams myself, um, unlike having, you know, hundreds of writers compile it. So, um, you know, with that, I'm, I'm digging in. It's a 365-day process. I mean, Saturdays in the fall, I have four screens set up for 14 hours from noon till 2 a.m., watching the Pac-12 finish up late night. So I absorb as much as I can on Saturdays, watching condensed games on Sundays, running my numbers throughout the week. Uh, but really for the magazine, it starts in January and February. It's running my advanced stats. But then in March, talking to head coaches, talking to coordinators, talking to beat writers, talking to as many people as I can to really get a feel for what the coaches are trying to install schematically, X's and O's wise. You know, it's one thing to run your advanced stats, but you got to be able to communicate that in a football sense and put it into football terms. So um, you're not going to find any acronyms or computer code on my page there. You're going to find complete paragraphs and the storyline of each program. So, um, yeah, so I, I'd say I take a holistic approach. I try and balance the numbers, the advanced stats, but, you know, talk to as many people as possible, research these teams, and uh, make a, you know, an overall product. I mean, every spring game I can get my hands on, every morsel of practice notes, you, you bet I'm on it. So uh, that's how I arrive at my final product there. Yeah, I love it. And uh, you can support Brett by going to picksixpreviews.com. Uh, two more quick ones here on Oklahoma that I want to pull out and take a broad view. I didn't even put this together. Defensively, in guys like Trace Ford and Rondell Bothroyd and obviously in, in bringing in Reggie in the secondary and Deshaun McCullough, you've added six starters off of other Power 5 defenses. Now, we can talk about Devon Sears, who comes from Texas State, but I – I just get the sense that maybe last year they had to, to reach a little bit in certain instances, but I feel like this was as focused and as, I don't want to get too carried away here, but perfect of an approach as OU could have had to filling those voids defensively in the portal. Uh, overall, what do you kind of think of the job that the Sooners did in the portal defensively specifically? Well, yeah, I think they did a great job. Um, so with all the player movement this year, I put in a new feature to the book, uh, Everyone's familiar with all-conference teams, like an all-Big 12 team, but what I added was what I call the all-transfer team and uh, by conference, too. So you break it down in the Big 12, Oklahoma has four defenders coming in on the all-transfer team. Wow. Uh, the three, four names you mentioned there, Desan McCola there at linebacker. Um, so, yeah, they, they reloaded at all position groups. Um, and I think you got a second-year bonus here with the, with the Venable staff and his scheme and intensity uh, and physicality. So, a lot of that is um, why I'm projecting Oklahoma to get back to Dallas um, after what's probably their worst team and or worst outcome in 20 years. You know, it's weird to see back-to-back uh, seasons without 10 wins, first time since 98, first losing season since 98. But the big reason why I have them bouncing back is that growth on defense. I think you're going to see they did it with transfers and it'll be a second-year coach bonus. Uh, and then on the offensive side of things, it just kind of give me your overall feel on Dylan Gabriel. Like, kind of a – I consider it like Derek Carr with the Raiders or Matt Ryan during the latter years with the Falcons. Very split amongst the fan base. There's those who love and think that he's, he's great, and there's others that can't wait for Jackson Arnold. What did you make of his production last year and kind of the, the areas in which he needs to improve and to get better and be that dude this year for him? Yeah, well, like I mentioned, I got to see Oklahoma live when I was in Lincoln, Nebraska for that game, and I got to see Dylan Gabriel dance 86 yards down the field uh, in really quiet uh, 87,000 fans. <laughs> um, you know, so he's a shifty runner. He's very capable with that. I think you saw him shy away from that a little bit later in the season when he was banged up and recovering from injuries. I don't know if that was the staff trying to limit his carries just because there wasn't as much depth behind him. 
uh, or if he was a little tentative. But uh, to get to his full potential, you want to see him running the ball a little bit more, get back to that, what he showed in September. Uh, and also, guys, I mean, keep in mind that um, he made this, the jump up from the non-AQ level last year. That's a big step up in, in uh, speed of the game and talent around him. So I think here a second-year bonus as a starting quarterback at the Power 5 level will uh, will pay some dividends. So um, I, I like him. Um, he's towards the top of my Big 12 quarterback rankings right there along with Jalen Daniels from Kansas and Quinn Ewers, Texas. But he's right in the mix there. I think he's going to have a great year. You know, it's, it's interesting because when you compare what you have versus what some of the preseason polls have, it's very similar. You like Texas a lot understandable uh you like texas tech a lot they've been getting a lot of buzz but how about this curveball how bad is this for iowa state right now it's uh what is that week five for oklahoma looking ahead and obviously everything comes out with the gambling allegations how rough could this potentially be for matt campbell this year when you look at this uh this big 12 schedule and just for me being very selfish and thinking about a game that oklahoma has on its schedule yeah, for sure. That was a huge breaking news that came out. I had already had Iowa State towards the bottom of the conference. I have them uh, in a three-way tie down in ninth, um, but very crowded middle tier of the conference. They might shade towards the bottom tier at this point. Um, I mean, it was a broken offense last year. When you watch them, uh, terrible offensive line push, uh, turnovers from the quarterback. It's just nothing really clicked, no run game. So I think uh, the hire that he made at offensive line coach will be big. Uh, he's, he made a change at offensive coordinator, maybe switched things up a little bit. Now a quarterback concern now with Deckers and hot water. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to have to rely on their defense. That's been their calling card for a while under John Haycock, one of the best defensive minds in the game, runs that 3-3-3 stack. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're going to really struggle here this year, though, offensively, and it's going to hold them back. I think Oklahoma gets the W there. You're optimistic about Oklahoma, which will no doubt excite the uh, the listeners here. Just the level of importance this season for OU. Even though you're optimistic, how important is year two for Brent Venables for Oklahoma? As obviously we're talking these big changes, Oklahoma off to the SEC the year following. Yeah, well, there's a couple things. I mean, you want to erase that losing season. I mean, that's a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Uh, you, you give that because of the transition season a little bit of a mulligan, but you want to get back to you know nine, ten wins competing for the conference. That's just Oklahoma standard. You know, I put out these all-time wins list rankings, like top most wins last 10, 20, 50 years, 100 years. Oklahoma's at the top every time. It's a proven product, a proven fan base. So you want them back contending. And then on a program level, yeah, you want to uh, contend for the Big 12, probably win it here in your last year. I mean, Oklahoma has dominated this conference uh, since it's been 12 and all the way to the Big 8. So if you're going out for a farewell tour, you want to win the thing. So. Um, and then real quick, just the second year under Venables, yeah. you want to have some uh, proof of concept here with the transfers coming in um, and keep that brand rolling. One more quick one. One more quick one, at least for me. And I know you've got another interview you've got to hit before we get out. But pulling back, do you see anyone that can make a TCU-type run this year? Do you, I, I don't know if we've ever had a year, Brett, where in the top five, now I know that Carson Beck was named the starter at Georgia, where three teams in the top five didn't come in with an established starter. It's wild. All three had quarterback battles, Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. But do you, do you see a sleeper team out there that can make a run this year? Is there a squad we should be keeping an eye on? Well, I don't know if they, they fall into the TCU category because they are ranked, but I'd, I'd say Washington, a team like out that. west. Um, it's a really crowded Pac-12, but I love their passing attack. 
And people will talk about how poor their past defense was, but if you look at their injuries, they had seven starters or eventual starters knocked out of their secondary. So with all those guys back healthy, without a crazy injury run, it's going to be a complete team. There's all conference guys all over their defense. Um, so, yeah, a couple things to go their way. They could be competing in Las Vegas for the title game, and then if they win that, they'd be in the playoffs. So, uh, But if you're talking TCU, they, were like, they weren't even ranked last year. So you got to go way, way out of the, um, you know, way out of the sphere for that. You're the man. Uh, Brett Sianza, Pick6Previews.com. Thank you so much for your time, your insight, and analysis as a one-man show. You're crushing it. It's so easy to read. It feels like you've got a staff of 70. We'll spread the word. We're grateful. Have an awesome rest of your Wednesday. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. We'll have to catch up during the season. appreciate it. Can't wait. Ooh, I like him. I like him, Josh. Did we just become best friends? Instant reaction. From the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 580-Nate writes, quote-unquote, holistic approach? I like this guy. He smokes pot. Wait, I don't think that's the case, Nate. (laughs) How could he have time to? He does all 68 Power 5 schools. I think he throws Notre Dame in there, too. But it's, it's thorough. Just to kind of give you an idea, within the Big 12. So he's got Oklahoma projected at number two. He's got the quarterback room in the Big 14-team Big 12 this year. He's got the quarterback room fourth behind Kansas and Jalen Daniels, Texas, and Kansas State. Running backs, Oklahoma is fourth behind, how about this, Baylor at number one, followed by Kansas at two, West Virginia at three, then the Sooners. They have the second-best wide receiver tight end room behind Texas. Third-best offensive line, which I found fascinating because the only two teams ranked ahead of them have been the two teams that return the most, Texas and Kansas State. And it's kind of funny because every single time I talk about how much Oklahoma's lost on the offensive line, there is this moment where I pull back and think, Andrew Raymond started a lot of games. Tyler Guyton started a lot of games. McKenna Torres started a lot of games. You know, obviously, Rouse the House has started a lot of games, just not at Oklahoma. But I mean, they got four guys who have seen a lot of game action. They just haven't been together like Texas and K-State were. So they got the third-best offensive line, second-best defensive line, fourth-best group of backers, and the fourth-best group of defensive backs. Pretty cool. On his first-team all-conference squad, he has Jalil Farouk, Andrew Rame, and Walter Rouse. Offensively, defensively, Ethan Downs, Danny Stutzman, and Deshaun McCullough. Pretty good stuff, man. He seems very high on that transfer class, which I think most of us are, and most of us realize, ah, you need to be if this team is going to get to where they need to be. Right. If, uh, if you've got Oklahoma getting to the Big 12 championship game and or winning it, then, yeah, yeah, I mean, look, across the board, Oklahoma's going to have to have those transfer portal additions be impact guys. I mean, it's really that simple. I'm watching first take right now, and Christopher Mad Dog Russo is on, and all I can think about and what all I can imagine is him sitting there staring at his TV trying to get Sunday ticket on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, would you – are you going to share that at some point? Yeah, I've got it. Let me listen to make sure that – I think he drops a bomb in it because he gets mad. But let's, uh, let's all as a family share that one to wrap up our number two, shall we? So that's coming up.
I have never felt more as one with the doggy than I did with this. When we come back, uh, let's get some quick hits. Jonah Laula, Marcus Major. Also, we'll hear from Andrew Raim, uh, more Jeff Levy, Savion Bird, and much, much more as the Plank Show rolls on a Wednesday. Thanks to Brett Sianza, Pick 6 Previews. Uh, you can go order his magazine, his preview. You can get it. He delivers it right to your inbox. So you can have a, a digital copy. Go to pick6previews.com. Follow him on Twitter. This is the home of Sooner fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. I use a couple of quick things just off the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Sugar Shane in Newcastle writes, get that man some help. Get him some helpers. A one-man show. All of the Power 5 conference team, he breaks them down. Sooner Andy has an issue. Brad, an issue. He writes, uh, Brett seems inconsistent. With QBs, he must be factoring potential and not past production. Yet running back seems to lean towards past production and not potential. Because in my opinion, OU's potential on the running back play is super high. I feel like, Josh, everything, Everything is based on some sort of potential. Why is Quinn Ewers projected by everyone to be the best quarterback in the Big 12? Or at the very least, if there is a tier one of the quarterbacks in the Big 12, why is Quinn Ewers on that tier? Um potential because I don't know about you I didn't see it consistently from him last year did you no no I mean you could name multiple other quarterbacks that production wise had uh, better week in week out seasons Quinn Ewers and I heard (laughs) I heard Colin Coward yesterday I don't know how someone – oh, someone asked this on the text line last night. All right, Twitter. Everything's running together. I'm doing too many shows right now. All the hot takes are rushing together, Josh. You know the thing that Coward does? I'm telling you this right now. Week four, Arch Manning will be the starting quarterback in Texas. Now tell me you don't follow college football without telling me you don't co- follow college football. I'm going to be honest with you, Josh. I'm rooting for that more than anything else I have ever rooted for in my life to this day. Not because of anything negative about Quinn Ewers, but because if Arch Manning is a starting quarterback by week four, that means somehow, some way, those dopes have pushed Malik Murphy out. And I don't know about you. Now, we've talked about my types. Brooke's going to call me out on this, but I love the tall, lanky receivers. You give me an athletic quarterback like Malik Murphy, brah, 6'5", 238, beast. Do you see him in the spring game? Yes, I'm falling for a spring game. Yeah, go, go ahead and tell me that you haven't been paying attention if you're trying to push Arch Manning to be starting by week four. Because Malik Murphy's their clear number two. But I'll add this. If they get smoked by Alabama, 
which could easily happen in week two. Texas is loaded with talent, but that's nothing new, people. That's nothing new. If they get smoked in week two, I mean, all of this talk about, I think Quinn Ewers became the first ever five-star plus player. I, I, th- I felt like 24-7 sports or whomever, I, I don't know who had it. It's like, oh, we got to have something even bigger than five-star because this kid is it. I'll defend him a little bit, Josh. I'll defend him a little bit. Didn't have a senior year of high school. Went straight to Ohio State. Then transferred into Texas and had to play with legitimately like a true freshman last year. But I'm, I'm no quarterback expert. I just I don't think he ever really looks comfortable. I don't think he ever really looks confident. I mean, even, even seeing him firsthand, and I try not to think about the OU Texas game last year, I mean, I wasn't wowed by this dude. Now, I was wowed by him in the first quarter of Alabama, but you know, that's one quarter of a game, and it's not a preseason game. Ah, listen, I don't want to get off on the too late, right, on the overhyped Texas train, but Quinn Ewers, in my opinion, that's all potential right there, right? That's all, you know, Ari Wasserman talks about it a lot. He's basically saying, yeah, you like what you've seen to a certain extent, but you're counting on if Steve Sarkeesian has done X, Y, and Z for quarterbacks before, then with the talent and the perceived ceiling that Quinn Ewers doesn't have, then you're expecting him to do what? X, Y, and Z for Quinn Ewers, right? So this is all potential with Texas right now and Quinn Ewers. It's all potential. And they do. They, they've got great skill guys. Absolutely. So, you know, it, sh- it should be a situation where you can routinely go put points up, find a way to generate explosive plays, and yet I'm like you. And, you know, maybe, maybe it does all come together for Quinn Ewers. Not saying it's impossible, just saying that if I'm doing a Big 12 quarterback's rankings list right now, he's not going to be number one or number two for me. No. You want to do the tiering coming up next? I, I, I think it's a fun segment. We've got our top five stories today coming up at 11. But David Ubbin put his tiers together of the Big 12 quarterbacks, and I've got major issues with it. I really do. And he had four different tiers, and I don't – I mean, maybe we go back to what Sooner Andy had as his tiers for the wide receivers, right? There's the, all right, locks to play, good shot, fighting for snaps, not a factor. (laughs) Maybe we have to define these tiers a little bit more specifically. Uh, One more quick one, though, before we hit a couple of quick audio bites. I think this is a good question because Brian with a Y in Tulsa is now at Loco, Ohio. Brought up great video that dropped last night for OU football. Did you watch that one about the last year, the, the kind of scene setter by T. Rowe? Really good if you haven't yet. It led to this question from the 918. If college football conferences stay as they are today, how long will it be before Oklahoma does not have the most Big 12 conference titles in football. <laughs> All right, you want a you want a little perspective on this? So, in the history of the Big 12, Oklahoma has won 14 Big 12 championships. 14. The closest 
remaining member of the Big 12 is Baylor at three. So if you're, if you're trying to figure out at what point Oklahoma would no longer have the most Big 12 championships, if conferences stay the way they are for, wait, what do you say, like the next 25 to 30 years, I don't know that they'll be surpassed because I think there'll be a team like Utah, Arizona State, maybe even Arizona, back into a title here or there. I mean, there's, there's four current members of the Big 12 that have never won a conference title. Iowa State, Kansas, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. And you would assume with Texas leaving, you would assume with Oklahoma leaving, that's going to give a few more opportunities for Texas Tech and with Kansas building the way that they are. 14 to 3. Kansas State has three as well, too. Sorry, I left out Kansas State. Oh, and Colorado comes in with one, which is the same amount of conference titles as Oklahoma State and TCU. With as competitive and as balanced as we think the next Big 12 might be, I don't know, Josh, will anyone catch OU in the next 20 to 25 years for Big 12 titles in football? It's impossible to predict that they would. I would I would lean no. 14 conference titles. And y'all want to act like it's not some big deal for competitive balance that Oklahoma is leaving this conference. And and they might add to that pile before they uh, totally exit here. This is true. This is true. 405-651-3439. All right, I promised some audio, so let's at least get one in here. At least get one. How about a guy we haven't heard from on this show? Marcus Major. It's been a minute, but I feel like, Josh, in everything that we hear about Marcus Major, it's been positive, right? Seems like he's had a great offseason. Seems like he's in really good shape. Seems like he looks good aesthetically. What's it been like being in that room and being the vet? I feel like I'm taking a bigger role, you know, me being an older guy. Um, I feel like I got, you know, more responsibilities, you know, just not just only, you know, trying to carry the load, but just trying to bring the guys with me, you know, just keeping up, you know, just taking taking day by day. Yeah, and that's kind of, when you think about Marcus Major, a lot of hype, right? Talked about guy, Oklahoma people loved him. I'll, I don't think he minds me name dropping him, but I'll never forget seeing how, J.D. Reynolds Reynolds was just gushing on this guy. And unfortunately for – and J.D. wasn't alone. A lot of the guys who covered him in recruiting in Oklahoma are like, this guy's got a chance, this kid's got a chance. And there's been a myriad of issues, right, that Marcus Major has dealt with. But it seems as if right now this is in as good of a place as he's been in the preseason. Take on that new – Oh, it's been some some learning experience, you know, but I'm still learning, you know. Um, But it's, it's been all fun, you know. I've been enjoying these guys. You know, it's a lot of talent in the room. You know, to just to see. Yeah, and he's a leader. We'll have more from Marcus Major coming up a little bit later on in the show. We got time for one more quick one before we grab a break? Oh, we got nothing but time, baby. Okay. All right. I'm trying to be better on the clock. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Savion Bird was asked about his weight gain. Josh, you know me. I'm a big South Park guy. Kind of feel like, kind of feel like he... Pulled a little uh, Eric Cartman here 
Weight gain 3,000. So now Savion Bird has gone about getting up to three bills. Let me tell y'all something. Let me tell y'all something. <laughs> These Oreo pancakes, it's like two pancakes. Got Oreos on top, Oreo, whatever. And in the middle is just straight cookie crumble with... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got me over here sweat. <laughs> I, I like the uh, I, I like breakfast food and then uh, there's a there's a food not a food a uh, little food truck down the down the street uh, it's on Lindsay and they sell like uh, Mexican food man they have like these nacho fries they have all type of uh, quesadilla tacos and man I've been in hog heaven I've been in hog heaven I'm not gonna lie I've been in hog heaven. <laughs> Is that the food truck? That's there by the gas station across from the new Starbucks that he's talking about. Yeah, it's got to be. And you know what? He is speaking a lot of listeners' love language right now. <laughs> you start getting into the food realm, and hey, I want to eat this. I want to eat that. It's, uh, yeah, that sounds all right. Have you ever had Oreo pancakes before? No, but it sounds amazing. I don't think I have either. I feel like I've seen the mix. Now, uh, maybe an unpopular opinion. But as somebody who has tried probably a little bit of every breakfast food that's ever been made, I was never a Rudy Tooty fresh and fruity guy. I kind of feel like pancakes and waffles were made for syrup or potentially peanut butter if you want it. But you start putting a bunch of that crap on it, I'm out. But for some reason, when he talked about Oreo pancakes, Josh, I'm not going to lie, it got me feeling some sort of way. It had me feeling some sort of way. There's Savion Bird. All right, we'll have more from post-practice coming up. Quick break. When we come back, top five stories of the day in 20 minutes from now, the best of the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line is now on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, the show rolls on. Wait a minute. In fairness, Jesse G, I don't know if that is a quote that could get memed. Were you not familiar with the Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity? Is that was that a Midwestern thing only? I mean, wasn't it an IHOP, or was it just maybe something that was regional? I've definitely heard that before. I want to say it was like 1980 when, whenever I would would get it, like, Mom, I need the Rudy Tutti Fresh and Fruity. What? Yeah, IHOP's got it. IHOP, no longer in Wood River, Josh, RIP. She said, I'm sorry, we don't order things that rhyme. Right. And then I got it once, and I was like, this is terrible. Who puts this kind of stuff on pancakes? Uh, Tyler from, Car- from Kellyville. Oreo pancakes definitely have me hot and bothered. And Vandalay and Norman adds, yeah, that food truck he's talking about next to Penny Hill, it's great. I, can I just say, I love uh, Vandalay on the text line. That is a true... T- tremendous moniker. Vandalay Industries? Vandalay Industries! Art Vandalay. Importer, exporter. Um, <laughs> Plank, for me, it's the excitement of Cartman talking about Casa Bonita that gets me every single time. I have been informed by one of the Ref Army moles that we may, Josh Helmer, actually have somebody who ate at Casa Bonita this weekend. Were you ever a Casa Bonita guy? I don't think I've ever been to one. Oh. Well, I mean, there, I think there's only one that's still open, and it's Trey and Matt rebuilt one in Denver. But, yeah, it was uh, 
It's a great again. Everything goes back to a South Park episode or a Rick and Morty or a Simpsons a- episode here on the Plank Show. If you've learned anything, I'm basically a 12 year old <laughs> trapped in a 48 year old's body. Occasionally a Family Guy. Dude, that episode is terrible if you think about it because he convinces Butters that the world has come to an end and has him hiding in a storm shelter so that he can take his spot at a birthday dinner. And he almost gets away with it. Well, I mean, yeah, he basically does. He gets got in the end, but he gets the dinner he was looking for. Zach from the 405 gets us back to sports. Baylor or Kansas State would have to rattle off 12 in a row to pass OU. So at the earliest, someone from the Big 12 matching Oklahoma's conference championship number would be 2035. My gosh. That's wild. That's absolutely. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. Whenever I saw the number, I I knew how many conference championships Oklahoma had won. I guess it's never really registered the discrepancy between Oklahoma and everyone else. I mean, that is is wild. Now, again, you got to remember there was a couple of years where you had a regular season champ that differed from the tournament, listen to me, from the championship game champ, and that's fine. But 14 to 3. Think about that for a moment. 14 to 3. And one of those teams that has the three, Texas, is crammed down our throat every single freaking year. Every year. Oh, Texas, look out. They compete in the same conference as Oklahoma has since the Big 12 was formed in 1996. It was the first year that we had a Big 12 championship game. And yet, the team that's won 14 conference championships is the program that the national media, whom you all fawn all over and follow around like sheep, tell you that oh Oklahoma might go away but yet build up the program that's won how many was that Josh three three and it took a once in a generation type of player at quarterback to get him there in Vince Young for not just conference title one of those years but a national title what are we even doing had another pretty good quarterback to to get one of the others that's right Cole McCoy Un. Unbelievable. All right, anyway, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm, I'm not going to get triggered <laughs> too late. But it's just, it, it's, it's math. It's simple. I'm telling you what, guys, Texas is in a spot. When they go to the SEC, look out. I mean, they're ready to go. Oklahoma, not so sure about that. Hmm. History might tell us different. Yeah, but they went 6-7 and seven last year. So, you know, I don't. I don't know, man. It could be, uh, could be bad. Could be bad. Okay, um, fair. But you're all losing your minds over Texas, who had gone five and seven before going eight and five. Make it make sense. Well, I can make it make sense for you. Go ahead. It's Oklahoma went six and seven. There's nothing else to it. We we do this song and dance every single year, but it's a little bit more pronounced with Texas this season just because there's not that other force in the way. 
that typically has been there in Oklahoma. It's an easier argument to make this go around. It's yeah. nothing more than that. That's a, that's a good point, by the way. When they had the two different divisions, uh, you're right. They didn't have a regular season and then a conference champion. That just started when we re uh, – or at least the people claiming them. That just started when we reinstituted the championship game in, what, 2016, 2015, whatever. Yeah, someone brought up, aren't some of those conference championships shared from other teams? I'm looking at the always reliable site known as Wikipedia, where if I don't like it, I'll change it later in the day. But I don't see them listing any of these as shared. They have Baylor winning in 13, 14, and 21. Oh, I, I guess I have to go back on that. I'm sorry, you're correct. That 14 title for Baylor is considered a share with TCU. Because remember, though TCU, I'm sure, is, is claiming a Big 12 regular season title, they didn't win the Big 12 championship game last year. So that is one of three of Kansas's Big 12 championships. And again, in fairness, Kansas State, I should say, they consider the 12 a shared championship with Oklahoma. Unbelievable. Yeah. But no, no, no. Texas is the program that is positioned to excel in the SEC, not Oklahoma. Why did I do, why did I do that to myself? Why did I do that to myself? Uh, thank you, Michael from Kanawa. Thank you. Um, very important question before we grab a break for the 405. Plank, I was wondering if you are related to Doug Plank of Chicago Bears fame from morning uh, from MW. See, I don't think so. But my dad, I've got a, there's that, have you ever seen that movie? It's a really, really old movie where the kid finds his dad had been telling him all these stories his whole life and, and like his dad passes away and all these tales of this magical world. And then after his dad passes, he finds out that they were all real and it was all true. I've seen it a couple times. Pretty good, pretty good kids movie. My dad has told me more stories, M.W., about whom we are or who we aren't related to that I don't even know what's true, and I don't know what's real. I kind of feel like my dad saw a guy whose last name was Plank and just said, yeah, we're related to him. He, he always told me Eddie Plank was always my favorite baseball player when I was growing up because my dad had said that in some way we were, we were related, and I think I remember even telling kids in – like eighth grade and much younger than that. Oh no, you eighth didn't. Grade. Eddie Plank. I'm I'm a distant relative of Eddie Plank. He's my cousin. Yeah, and he played in like 1913. So this was pre-internet. So you, you know, no one could ever go and find out. But I don't think we're related at all. My dad is trying to claim that we're related to Kevin Plank, so he could get a bunch of free Under Armour gear. Kevin, Kevin, Daryl, remember me? Uh, and then. Uh, Oh, yeah, Tulsa uh, Casmanita, R.I.P. Uh, Justin and Kuita, tell Josh about those Sopapillas plank. How about the Crystal's Pizza next door? Oh, bro, right when I got to town, I had Crystal's and Casmanita. Casmanita lasted a while. Uh, Crystal's did not. Though my family in Tulsa, my wife's family, says that was the big place for birthday celebrations back in the day. And none of this is resonating with you at all, is it? No, unfortunately not. Outside of a, a South Park episode. Uh, quick one here from Softball Steve. Have they ever had a football game delayed 
are changed due to high temps like over 100 on the field when it feels like 111. I just saw they moved they moved the game to 8 p.m. for soccer for Oklahoma because of the heat. I uh, I don't I wish they would. But let's get a break because I looked ahead to next week and not just Oklahoma. Do you realize there's three games, Fort Worth, Waco, and Austin in Texas, where the high is going to be, uh, and Houston, a fourth. I keep forgetting Houston's in this league. Josh, the high for those games is projected to be 103. 103. Unbelievable. But I do not know. I'll have to dig during the break, and we'll talk about it next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Man, I only got a minute here. I, I completely missed the landing. Uh, Marietta Sooner writes, it wasn't that long ago that football games continued during a thunderstorm with lightning. So, no, I don't remember a game being delayed or canceled because it's too hot. Old man rants over. (laughs) Now, uh, let's be clear. Uh, Dr. Kevin Clazel would point out that you can even go back to what what he say. Is it the 96-93 Iron Bowl? And you can literally watch a game with metal bleachers that's played in the middle of a tornado between Auburn and Alabama. That's SEC tough. But we're a little bit smarter about that with lightning in the area. I just, I just wonder, Josh, if we'll get to that point with heat because it doesn't seem that way. This is the ref. Top five stories today next.